everybody. This is a follow-up from the last podcast we just recorded with Jessica Schroeder. Uh, <laughs> Casey meant to say, hey, besties, because I like saying that. She no, doesn't. no, Casey didn't. Casey meant to say that Kelsey is having a 100% reaction from the podcast we just recorded. And so I encouraged her and manipulated her gently <laughs> to record this follow-up because I said, Kelsey, you were just associating during that entire podcast. And I noticed I was very aware in the middle of it. I was like, where is my brain going right now? So if you notice Kelsey not talking very much during the podcast, it's because she was off into another place. And so I wanted to talk to her a little bit more about that and find out what was going on with her and hopefully get a little bit of clarity and closure to that that topic. Hi, I'm Casey and right here beside me is Kelsey. We are licensed professional counselors, mothers, entrepreneurs, oh, and besties. We know firsthand what it's like to wake up one day and think, how in the heck did I wind up here? Through our own journeys of self-discovery, we found that joy is something that has to be pursued through our own internal work. Now we are on a mission to help women from all walks of life understand themselves more so they can experience real lasting joy. Join us every Thursday to hear interviews with experts who can point you towards self-discovery and inner joy. My thought was, what was I like as a child and what did I need? Because in a relationship, I show up very, I like to show up very emotional and I like to not only like my emotions, but I want to know my partner's emotions. And I was thinking about where does that come from? I didn't experience that with my mom. But definitely maybe my dad, you know, he's just a dad and he talked to me about sports and school and, you know, just the normal. My brother's not a very emotional person either. He is, but it's very introverted. I don't know. Do you have any specific questions? Because I am thinking in law. Are you dissociating again? No, no, I'm not there, but it's it's a lot. I don't, I I just don't even see your mom as, as being an emotional person. Like she is tolerant of emotions and like she can she can sit with them yeah like she can sit with them and like yeah like i can i hear you all talking on the phone and she's like yeah yeah right (laughs) you know like i can see that but as far as like being the one to carry those emotions i i can't see that no not necessarily in that way but in the like holding that space for me and even in friendships like in the previous podcast that we just recorded I was thinking about my friendships and like how I could only maybe count maybe three friends in my childhood that heard my emotions and saw them and they were there and they supported me and they made me feel valid, like me, myself and my emotions. Well, I I can't help but think about how uncomfortable emotions have been for me my entire life and my parents didn't have the capacity to hold that space. And and I know, like with my mom, you know, she didn't, she was dealing with her own stuff. So it's hard to help someone else when you're struggling with your own. And my dad was kind of the same, like as yours. I mean, he's a dad, did dad stuff. I hate to stereotype dads, but I mean, yeah. We had daddy-os that were just the same. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very similar. But my siblings, my my brother was always very emotional, but not necessarily like with me, you know, he just has, that's just part of who he is. But I remember 
the first time that I ever saw your emotions, something different happened inside of me that had never happened before. It was almost like I need to be there. Like I need to, I need to be there for her. And normally I would have just figured a way to avoid. And I'm not a, I have a lot of emotions, but I don't show. Like, I I think for you, we were friends two years before that. And I don't think you ever saw that very emotional, vulnerable side of No, I saw the very anxious avoidance style of you. Like, hey, let's just make a joke and leave the room or let's like make up a reason not to do this or, you know, like, let's be goofy or let's be a smart ass or, you know, something like that. So when I saw all of that come down and I saw like your vulnerability for the first time, it made me want to be that way too. Like at least to be that safe place for you. And I think that there was a point in time, previous podcasts I talk about being a very, I wouldn't say depressed person, but I have depressive tendencies. That's normally my first go-to. But I think in the midst of when when I was growing up and, and learning that not everybody's safe to be emotional too, I became very anxious. Mm-hmm. I had all this anxiety and I didn't know what to do about it. So I just hid parts of myself. And that's I think that's how my mom presents as well. She is very emotional, but she presents as like this hard ass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. Still stewing on it. Well, how does it feel? And I know that, you know, between us, like this has been a work in progress for me because I'm I'm still learning how to accept and do all of that with your emotions but I think it feels safer and I think it feels like you can share those things so I'm just curious how that feels versus when you were trying to withhold parts of yourself from people it feels better because I feel like I can communicate that that's a huge thing for me I don't ever want to hurt anyone's feelings um, and so I always held my feelings in because I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so I've worked very hard on being intentional with you specifically on, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Or, hey, I'm just sad and I need to be sad. It's nothing you did wrong. I just need this moment. And, you know, it probably happens twice a year where I get just super dysregulated and cannot handle what is going on. And typically it's because I miss my family, but we're not going to talk about that. It feels good and it feels safe to be able to, I don't always have to be happy, right? Like I don't always have to be this like strong person to hold it all together for somebody else. I can just be sad. I can be happy. I can be overwhelmed. That That's one that I'm really learning that I just have to be like, hey, I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, your overwhelmedness is hard for me too. Because you get so, you get really irritable, you get really <laughs> agitated, your fuse is super short. My daughter often says, Mom, why do you got a mean face on? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mommy's just overwhelmed. Mommy is just overwhelmed. Yeah, it's, that's, that's one that's really, I don't want to say easy to handle because it's, it's not, but it's easy to recognize. Oh, that's the, mo- I think that's the most recognizable with me is when I'm overwhelmed and I become irritable. Mm-hmm. You become a turd is what you become. My mom knows it, too. She'll be like, what's wrong with you? I'll be like, nothing. Yeah, you got really overwhelmed yesterday. And even Brayden was like, I think she's a little overwhelmed. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, that's (laughs) 
that's an understatement, but yes. <laughs> yes, and in about 10 minutes, she'll look at me and be like, hi, hi, what are you doing? And I'm still pissed off at her for being a jerk to me 10 minutes ago. So anyway, so do you feel less dissociative now? Yeah, I do. Sometimes when you're talking, it makes me wonder about myself. I, I've i done a lot of work, not necessarily with a therapist, um, some work with a therapist, but childhood and parents, not so much, mainly like trauma. I feel like I've like, this happened, this happened, this happened. These were my supports. These weren't my supports. This is what I needed in that moment. This is what I didn't have. And so this conversation really put me through a loop. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you wish you would have said during that podcast or any questions you wish you would have asked? Probably, but I don't have them all lined out yet. Because I'm sure before we go to bed tonight, I'll be like, oh, hey, I'm curious about this. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've settled a lot in my life. That is something that I'm thinking about right now is I've settled for less than because I don't have a real. I knew that about you the first serious conversation we ever had. That was that was all that kept going through my head is this girl doesn't even know what she could have and what her life could be. Well, and this this is a one of many conversations Casey and I have had, but I I've always been this really like soft, hopeless, romantic person and oh, that makes me cringe just saying it out loud. But, you know, I just always wanted this like this happiness and I feel like all the while I was hiding parts of myself, I was never running towards the goal. I was actually running away from it. Talk a little bit more about that. What are you doing now? I'm just trying to embrace it, right? Like embrace the emotions of you and the emotions of me and learn how to do healthy conflict and set boundaries with people in my life. I'm not answering your question. I'm avoiding it right now. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I hold back anymore. And I really try to understand myself and communicate that so that I can reach my goal of happiness. And because for a really long time, I just, I just bottled it all up. Like somebody was upset with me. Okay. Like they'll eventually get over it or like this won't be. And so I try really hard to put an effort into myself by showing all parts of myself and showing up. I think that's why me and my mom have always been the closest out of anyone in my family is because I can always just show up however I want to show up. Like if I'm pissed and irritable because I'm about to get my period, well, I can be pissed and irritable. If I, when I come home from a bad day of school, she would sit at the kitchen table with me and literally just listen to me vent. And I, that is something that we have in our relationship when we're riding in a car or when we're laying in bed. I'm just venting about the whole day. It doesn't hold any value. I just have to get it out. And I need that in order to have a very healthy relationship for myself. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm thinking about how that's different from my experiences. And I don't think I've ever had a parent or like a parental figure or, you know, like my siblings are older. So, I mean, I consider them or considered them to be parental figures. I could never show up however I was showing up because if I showed up with a tone and let's say my mom was not having a good day 
it was very easy for her to take that personally. And then she might not talk to me for months. So I think I've always had to really be careful because everyone was in my family was so hypersensitive to everything. And they were so quick to just like write you off that there was no unconditional support. And I I don't think any of them ever knew how to do that. I don't know that any of them ever had that. Well, my mom's wife, Misty, is somebody, too, that I I always hid that part of myself from her. And so I always felt like I had to talk to my mom separately. Mm -hmm. Right. You still do that. Yeah. But since Misty and I have, well, she's been in my life since I was, I think, seven or eight. So a very long time she has been a part of my life. But now I can... Probably since I've had my daughter, Misty and I have gotten close enough for me to just be like, this is what's going on. And I still do that to an extent, but Kelsey 12 years ago would never have the conversation. And it's not a reflection of Misty. It's just my struggle with parental figures besides my mom. And so I'm glad that since I've had my daughter and since we've I, I laugh sometimes because or I'll pick out my mom and Misty because they're like switching roles. Misty's like a little bit more emotional than my mom and my mom's a little bit more shut off. And I think it's just happened naturally that way. But Misty has a lot of patience for emotions. And so I've been able to share. But also, the second thing I was going to say was because my mom showed up that way for me, I've been able to show up that way for other people like my sister. Mm -hmm. I'm very like people be like (laughs) talking about her and or like just like the chaos that surrounds her life. And I, I just show up and I listen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the best you can do for other people. And that's hard to do if that's never been modeled for you. So yeah. I wonder what that would be like if you had not had that experience. Like your your emotional tolerance would probably be much oh, yeah. smaller. Yeah, I definitely think it would be smaller. I think if I could go back and take everything that I can do now and know now, And if I could go back 10 years, my life would look totally different. I don't think people understand the power that that emotional tolerance and that level of like communication, vulnerability, how that impacts your life in like relationships and your attachment to your children. Yeah, your your relationship with your kids, your job. It really affects everything. Like Jessica was saying in in the podcast, like it's it's who we are. We're wired. We're wired that way. We're wired for attachment. We're wired for connection. And when we don't get that, it shocks our central nervous system and we don't know how to handle it. I have a question for you. So because that wasn't modeled a lot in your childhood and even early adulthood, did you fix it? Are you still fixing it? Or is it something is it something you desire to have? Well, I think I first had to realize it that it was it was not there and that it was a problem. And I wouldn't have known. You know, like I've been working on editing this book and I'm I've been working on the timeline of events and I mean just being real, like there's a lot of question about like what came first, especially in your divorce? Like, did Kelsey come first? Did the divorce come first? What happened? And I was working on it yesterday. I was realizing, like, you did come first. 
before I filed for divorce in, in some ways, like not physically, but when I had that conversation with you about a traumatic experience that you had and all I wanted to do was show up for you and be there for you and support you. But like I had so many things that were in the way of that. One, like here I've had this really vulnerable conversation with someone. I can't tell anybody about it because it's personal and private and it wasn't my story to share. And so I can't explain why I have this like change in my demeanor and my affect and my emotion and like my head is in a different place because I'm thinking about it. I can't explain that to someone without telling them what you told me, but I wasn't going to tell them what you told me. And so it was like, I get it. Like it looked really bad. <laughs> like, okay, I had this conversation and, and now I'm really fucked up in the head and um, I can't tell you what it was, but like, I'm really emotional about it, but I don't really know what those emotions are, but there's something. Anyway, it wasn't until that moment that I realized I did not have that ability to hold space for those emotions of someone else. It kind of forced me to look back over the last 10 years and look back into my relationship and realize like I've never had that experience in that relationship and no one had ever trusted me with something that was so emotional. I knew that that was not good. Like, that's not what I wanted. It's not what I wanted out of a relationship. It's not what I wanted. It wasn't habit and feel good within myself. And so then, you know, the divorce went went on and went moved forward from there. To answer your question, like, I, it's still something that I'm working on. I think it's always going to be something I'm working on. It's not a part of, I guess it is a part of who I am naturally, but it was like um, forced out of me over the years. It definitely, when we did have that conversation, you did hold that space. Yeah. But I could also tell you were really uncomfortable with that space that was being held. Mm-hmm. And Casey's body language that day was very... Like, it's almost like she just took this big gasp and never breathed a breath. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were just like, <gasps> and you you did hold that hold that space. And I remember crying, and you got teary-eyed as well. And, and this conversation wasn't even prompt. It was very authentic and natural, and it was even odd for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was the moment that it changed for me. And it, it wasn't even like, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to explain because I could have continued on in my relationship and been fine. Like we've talked about this so much. Like it could, it would have been fine, probably it would have been fine. But I guess I never even saw that there was that lack of emotion and like there had never even been an opportunity for me to see myself from that perspective. Like, oh, that's not how I want to show up. Like, that's not how I want to feel when someone else is hurting. Like, I want to feel like I can be there for them and support them. And also in turn, you never thought somebody could be there for you in that capacity, like even friends or Mm -hmm. relationships. You never gave people the opportunity to be there for you because it didn't feel emotionally safe, physically safe. Well, I also didn't want to be a burden to them. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, I just never wanted to. It's that hypervigilance. Like the only person growing up that I didn't care to burden was my grandma. <laughs> I mean, and that, Sylvia. Yeah. And so that's the one that, you know, that's how you know that it's safe. And, yeah. and that was as a kid and even as an adult. Like she didn't agree with 99.99% of the things I did, but she was still my grandma. And I could go down there and she could say something mean and I could make fun of her and tease her and, you know, ask her how many strippers have been by the house in the day or whatever. And uh, this old Christian, Southern Baptist Christian lady. And, you know, she she's just like, whatever. But other than that, like there was so much. Well, is she in a good mood? Did she sleep good last night? Is, uh, you know, is he upset about anything? Like, when's the perfect time? to express anything to anyone. And so I was always like looking for that perfect time. And there there was never a perfect time. It's hard for me to tell you how I feel now. Like the other day I, I told you, I said, I'm just feeling really anxious today. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm just feeling really anxious. Like that's something I would have never told anyone. I would have just been like, figure it out, whatever. Do you think your grandmother knew the things that were going on out like in the family dynamic and maybe she thought she knew that she had to be that person for you or was she that person for everyone? Mm. That's a that's a tough question. Maybe a little bit of both. So my oldest sibling is 14 years older than me. The next one is 13 years older than me. And then there's me. And then there's half siblings who are significantly younger than I am. Like 10 years plus, right? Yeah. like, And they're all my dad's kids. So my dad has five kids that I know of. So my grandma had different relationships with the grandchildren, I think mostly based on the phase of life that she was in and that they were in. So when my brother and sister were young, my mom and dad were still married. So it was a different dynamic in the family. Now, my grandma and grandpa were also a lot younger. And so they did a lot more like they I've, I've seen pictures where they traveled and went to Dollywood and, you know, things like that with my brother and sister. Um, they didn't do those things with me because they were they were quite a bit older at that point. But they did a lot with my brother and sister. I was definitely not expected. I wasn't planned. I wasn't the planned child. And I was 13 years younger than the last sibling. And so, and it was just me for a really long time. So by that point, my brother and sister, by the time I got old enough to like, you know, spend time at my grandparents and I remember being there, my brother and sister were already grown. You know, they were driving and doing their own thing. And so I think I had a different experience with my grandma than anyone else did because my sister and brother kind of always had each other and they were my mom and dad were still married. So they were all still together a lot. But when it was me, it was it was me, like me and my grandma. And I was um, there all the time. So I do think my grandma realized and, and recognized like the kind of I was also the one that was young when my mom and dad split up and they had a really bad there was a lot of violence and like verbal abuse, mental, physical, you know, all that stuff going on. So I think my grandma 
did kind of take on that role of like, let me distract you from yeah. all of these things. And she was the one to do it. She was just never sat still, always doing stuff, always sewing, always cooking, baking, going to the Walmart, like at whatever, you know, she was, let's color, let's paint, let's whatever, all that. So, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I think she tried to shield me and like some parts, I think it just happened that way. I can see that. Well, the reason why I ask is just because I know how your granny, is that what you called her? Granny Lily? No. Or Granny Sylvia? I called granny. them both Granny. Okay. Well, big big granny, granny. Big Granny, Little Granny. I think she knew your mom. She knew your mom before your dad and her were together. Yeah. So I think that also might have played a role, not only knowing your dad because it was her mm-hmm. child, but also knowing your mom. And then they went through this huge struggle and then there was you, right? Mm-hmm. You were just this kid trying to be a kid. And maybe didn't always have the space to be the kid. Yeah. Well, and by the time I was, you know, like four or five years old, like the kid, the age that our kid, little kids are now, there wasn't a lot of space to be a kid. Like my mom and dad were going through it. I was a lot like, like put me with the adults. Like I didn't want to be around other little kids. Like just give me adults to talk to. I'm good. Because that's all I really had. But my grandma knew how to pull that little kid out and keep that little kid out. Even even to the day she died, like, if I went down to her house, she was, well, what, what do you want to do today? Always trying to give me, like, an activity, something to do to pass the time. And I think she knew that if I was with my mom or if I was just with my dad, that I would never have those kind of experiences. And... She lived for that stuff. Like, she loved it. And if any of my high school friends are listening to this podcast, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because, like, if if you wanted to have an adventure, you went to Granny Sylvia's. Like, that. that's just what you did. You might die. She might drive you down the, <laughs> the opposite side of the highway. But it's fun. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I think there's a lot to be said about the way that we grow up and the way that we attach ourselves to the parental figures in our lives and then how that shows up for us in, in, other, in other ways. And the most important thing is just being able to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you and I didn't talk about it. No, I would never like just walk around talking about this. Because um, you sound like a Fruit Loop. Yeah. Well, I don't want to sound like a Fruit Loop, but... It's kind of also why we're doing this podcast, because we want you to develop these relationships in your life or reflect on the conversations we have so that you can have that. Right. Yeah. Things have to be said sometimes. Yeah. Even if we sound like Fruit Loops. Listen, I totally embrace the Fruit Loopiness. It doesn't bother me a bit. Remember, I mean, I come by it honestly. You do come by it honestly, yes. You can be cookie and I can be... (laughs) Sylvia. 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 We'll change the name of the podcast to Cookie and Sylvie. <laughs> Cookie and Sylvie. <laughs> there we are. Wouldn't that be funny? We yelled. We'll be like 80 years old, still doing a podcast. And I'll be, all right, Sylvie. <laughs> as long as I get control of your wheelchair. <laughs> okay. All right, everybody. That was just our little debrief from our podcast with Jessica Schroeder. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review and share with your friends. It's been a pleasure being vulnerable with all of you all. Later, besties. Later, besties. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast and would like to hear more from us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast so we can keep making great content like this. 